Welcome to Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tab Talks with your host, Talia Bashani, top real estate attorney and negotiation expert. This is your opportunity to get the inside scoop and hear straight from top real estate agents in the business. Broadcasting live from New York City, learn the secrets of their success and hear the most authentic, real, unfiltered stories about how they got to where they are today. From their wins to their failures to the biggest lessons of their careers and what keeps them rising to the top. And now, here is your host attorney, Talia Bashani. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us today. We are live on Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tab Talks. And today we have Michael Chadwick from the Corcoran Group as our guest. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. So today I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you. So your background, how you got started in the real estate business, and your rise to the top. So why don't we start with um, how you broke into the real estate industry and, you know, what, how your first year in uh, real estate in New York City went? <laughs> What an interesting question. So uh, I'm from the Jewish persuasion and uh, I was going to a Passover Seder in New York City. Uh, I graduated from college with a degree in theater, went to the University of Buffalo, and then I moved to New York City to be a movie star. So uh, that's how I got into real estate. Uh, I, I was struggling financially and I didn't become as famous as quickly as I thought I would. Uh, I thought I could just call my cousin Spielberg and he, he set me up and uh, it didn't work like that. None of my connections actually worked. Uh, I did have some success early in my career. We can talk about that later. Um, but a friend of my family uh, introduced me to real estate. I started working for her. And uh, after my first year, uh, I left her team and went solo. And I've been independent ever since. And it completely changed my life. And I'm still acting. Uh, but real estate is, is giving me a way to be independent and not, not be in restaurants anymore. <laughs> okay, phenomenal. So how many years ago was that? How long have you uh, been you know, a real estate agent? Oh, man, it's been a long time. Uh, 14 years. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you've seen the rise and the fall of, of the real estate um, here in New York, especially with the, uh, you know, 08 catastrophe. But um, New York is very cyclical, so you have to just ride the wave. And did you, start, did you start in rentals or did you go right to sales? Tell us a little bit about your experience, you know, getting started. Sure. So I heard an expression early in my career that you make your living in rentals and your fortune in sales. And they say that 70% of your business comes from who you know. So when I first moved to the city, I was in my 20s and most of the people my age were renting. So uh, that's that was what became natural to me. And, and back in the day, you know, I, I was in a brokerage. We had a, a wall of keys. You know, someone wanted to see an apartment. You could you know, grab a set and show like 20, 30 apartments at once. And, you know, the market has changed considerably since then. But uh, that's how I got started in the business. And it was a couple of years before I did my first sale. It's been more and more and more sales as my career has progressed. But I still keep that in my mind that, you know, you make your living in rentals and your fortune in sales. Yeah, I love that saying. That's actually a really cool saying. And it's so true because at least rentals is is quick money. You know, you get paid quickly and uh, obviously the volume um, pays well. Sales, you know pays bigger and, uh, you know, larger paychecks, but you have to kind of your work your way through the sales and you have to wait a little bit longer. That's um, right. So you mentioned that you started as an actor and you're still an actor to this day. So we'd love to hear about, you know, some of, you know, your acting career and, um, 
your claim to fame? You know, give us an idea of what you uh, participated in. Sure. Uh, I was in several films and TV shows, and I've modeled all over the world. Uh, major campaigns for Verizon Wireless, Kingfisher Beer, Angelsoft. Uh, I was in a music video with Soniti Chauhan, who is considered the Bollywood of India. Uh, I did an international campaign for Kingfisher. Um, one of my first films was Going the Distance with Drew Barrymore and Justin Long, actually. Wow. And I, I was douchebag number three. Oh my gosh, I love it. That was my role. And, but my brother says to me, I'll always be douchebag number one in his book. And, uh, and one of the first buyers I ever worked with was a makeup artist that I met on the set of a TV show. Oh, very nice. And weren't you on a reality show of some sort? I was on three different reality shows. Okay, tell us about that. Well, uh, we all have a past, right? So I was on, of course, you know, a million dollar listing on Bravo uh, four different times, actually. Oh. I was on uh, The Proposal on ABC. Okay. And The Bachelorette from that show, after she canned my tochas on national TV, uh, she later became a really good friend of mine. And when she was in the market to buy her first home, she bought it through me. I was her, I was her agent. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. really cool. I was going to say, so how did your acting world, you know, um, kind of spill over into your real estate world? And that's a prime example right there of blending both worlds. Some days I act like a real estate agent. Okay, good. Um, so speaking of clients, what would you say, you know, is your biggest source of leads? How do you really get, you know, a majority of your clients these days? That's a great question. So one of the things I would teach new agents is that you get your leads through one of three different ways, networking, advertising, and referrals. And I think people often misunderstand what networking means. They think I'm just going to go to a party and try to get as many contacts as I can get. And the key with networking is you have to give before you get. Life is very about reciprocity and about giving. And if you have a lifestyle of giving, the business just naturally comes. If that relationship is solid, the business naturally comes. So if you find a community, find your tribe, find you know some group of people that have a similar interest, doesn't have to be religious, doesn't have to be uh, athletic, but find, find something in common and continue to show up over time when there's a need you're that real estate person that they think of. So, um, I, you know, one of the things that I, I do to find business is, you know, I have a lot of different interests. I mentioned I'm Jewish. You know, I, I go to Shabbat dinners and I go, I'm very active in the community. And I'm not doing this to get business. I'm doing this because it's, it's part of my life and it's, it's just how I live my life. And, and naturally, you know, business just comes from being consistent and showing up. Um, but, you know, I mentioned earlier that 70% of your business in, in my business comes from who you know. So if you're a brand new agent, then the question you want to ask yourself is, who do you know? And how can you show up? How can you be consistent? How can you give? Another thing, thing that really changed with how I found leads was a program called the Street Easy Experts Program. So I was consistently doing one or two sales a year. And then all of a sudden, Street Easy came up with this program where they start giving you buyer leads based on your past transactions. For 14 years in the business, I've sold everywhere, all over the city. So that was a game changer for me. And I've, 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 you know, I would say I represented more buyers than sellers in my career. Um, another thing that really was a game changer was when I started asking for referrals. Um, because one of the things that I, I started to do early on was when I did a good job, I, I asked my client just to write something about it. And um, can I tell you about one of my first listings? Absolutely. I'd love to hear. Okay, sure, sure. So um, I actually... Um, I, I spent my career representing buyers, and I and I um, had some amazing reviews on my Zillow page about my my buyer's experience working with me, and also renters and representing landlords. That was the bulk of my business. There was a, a couple in Ireland who had left the city, and they didn't know an agent anymore, 
and they were just going through the internet. And at that time I was working in a brokerage in the West village and they saw my reviews and they were like, wow, look at all these amazing things people are saying about this guy. I got to call this guy. So I get this phone call with a strong Irish accent. I'm not going to bother trying to impersonate it, but she was very pleasant. And after a brief conversation, she decided to list her rental with me. It was this adorable little co-op at 731 Greenwich in the West Village. Wow. And I rented it fairly quickly. And then the pandemic happened. Okay. The apartment comes back in the market and we cannot find a tenant. We kept lowering the price. I, I used every trick in my whatever. And I could not get it rented. So I went through the numbers with, with them and I said, you know, maybe you might consider selling it. You know, maybe there's something to be said about not being an absentee landlord and just closing this book and opening a new chapter in Ireland. And they agreed. So I did my, did my second deal with them. To this day, I never met them and I sold it. Wow. And she, she wrote me an amazing review. Oh. And then, and then, that, then after, after that, things really started to take off. Wow. Okay, great. So you actually converted a landlord into a seller just by having that conversation, sharing your perspective and your expertise. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, you're closing on the sale. Um, and, and agents are always asking, how do I find leads? I said, you know, reviews. You could be a brand new agent and have never sold a single piece of real estate. I'm sure throughout your your years on this earth, there's people that would, would have known you and could say wonderful things about you and they could write a character reference. And people could be going through the internet and looking look and come across your Google page and they see all these just pages and pages and pages of positive character references. And that could be enough to say, you know, I'll give this person a chance. Yeah. Okay. That's so true. You know, testimonials, reviews, it really speaks volume. I always tell people, you know, you don't have to hear from me how wonderful I am, you know, hear it from people that I actually work with, hear it from other clients, because, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn and it's more believable. It's more authentic when you have those reviews and testimonials from other clients that have actually worked with you and can make that testament on your behalf. Right. So I'm, I'm all about that. And I think that definitely goes a long way. So, you know, speaking of your clientele, speaking of, you know, representing sellers, representing buyers, what percentage would you say of, you know, clients do you handle more? Is it pretty equal with buyers and sellers? And how do you go about, you know, attracting those clients? I know a lot of it is through referrals, but do you like to focus on sellers versus buyers or, or vice versa and why? So there's a phrase in our business that buyers are liars. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry to all the wonderful buyers that I've worked with and I'm working with right now, but yeah. that is true. They say that buyers are liars. And the reason they say that is because there is nothing contractual that keeps a buyer from running around for God knows how long and then just going to the next agent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, but when you have a listing, you guys are married <laughs> for the yeah. term of that listing. And then when you're advertising that listing, you're not just advertising the listing, you're also advertising yourself. So, when I had that listing at 731 Greenwich, there were several people that came through that said, you know, this apartment's not for me, but Michael Chadwick, I like you. I trust you. I want to work with you. And then I, I helped them find something else. So that one listing ended up being like five sales. Oh, wow. It was just unusual. You don't typically get that many buyer leads from a listing, but um, I would say the bulk of my career to date, while it has been representing buyers, I've been progressively uh, trying to strategically go more towards being a listing agent because I think anyone that's that's long term in this business, there's another expression that those who list last. And I think to, to have it, the key to having a really strong, successful, um, financially feasible business in this business is being a landlord or being a seller's agent versus just being a buyer's agent. And there's a lot of business out there being a buyer's agent. You yeah. know, I, I think also buying 
is in selling are just two sides of the same coin. So I think that I'm, I'm very effective at representing a seller because I understand exactly how a buyer thinks. Right. Yes. No, that's so true. And I think you actually have the potential of doubling your commission when representing sellers, because more often than not, those sellers turn into buyers, right? So maybe they're selling, they're relocating, maybe they're upsizing, downsizing, whatever the situation may be. So right. you actually have more solidarity representing that seller, um, possibly maximizing your commission. And also you might get a direct buyer for that listing where now you're acting as dual agent, you can double your commission that way as well. So I think you're absolutely right, you know, um, and that, you know, the listings, you know, last longer and um, there's just greater potential to make more money and close more deals that way. Um, so let's talk about some of the lessons you've learned along the way, because as we know, there's a lot of ups and downs in this business, right? I'm sure you have stories for days, but what would you say was your biggest, um, you know, lesson learned uh, over the years? So many stories. I could keep you talking for the next 10 hours. Um, I, I would say, I mentioned this earlier, and I want to say it again, that don't worry about the money. Okay. Now, that may sound crazy coming from someone you know lives on commission. But don't, I say don't worry about the money because if the relationship is good, the money will come. Okay. You know, I think the problem with many agents is that they just talk way too much and they don't listen. Okay. And one of my mistakes I know that I've made over the years is there are some clients when I wasn't really listening as well as I could have or should have. And when a buyer or seller feels they're not being heard, the trust goes away. And if there's no trust, there's no business. If there's no business, there's no money. So I would say focus on the relationship, focus on trust, focus on being a person of integrity uh, who keeps your word. Um, there was a book that I read when I was part of an acting studio, but it really has impacted my life. It's called The Four Agreements. By Don Miguel, Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz. Yes. Say that four times really fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't ask what all the agreements are, but one of them is be impeccable with your word. <laughs> yes. And the other one is don't take it personal. Don't take know? it personally. Yeah. Always do your best. Yeah. And there's a fourth one that I forgot. I'm sure it's equally inspiring. Exactly. Okay. No, that's that's true. Because one of my questions was going to be, you know, what any, any um, recommended books. So you just answer that. Um, that's very true. And I can I recommend so many books, but that, that one is good. Um, you know, people are always asking for books about, you know, what's the secret to making millions? You know, yeah. how can I sell faster and for more money? Um, there's the mechanics of how to do this business. Mm -hmm. That is fairly simple. I don't care what brokerage you're with. I heard a saying, I, I like sayings. Uh, I'm from, uh, my family's from Eastern Europe and there's, there's a saying that Eastern Europeans love expressions. So I have a lot of expressions. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I had a point. Oh, the, the point was, what were we talking about? I'm well, old. <laughs> it's so funny. We were talking about, um, you know, uh, different, well, we were talking about there's no real rule book to real estate. Um, there is no, you know, guidebook that essentially you're, you're. Oh, I got it. So my, the point I was trying to make was that um, if, you're, if you're an agent and you want to read something that will help you be a better agent and make more money, I say read books that help you improve your character. Okay. Books that help you stay positive books yeah. that are edifying, you know, uplifting, elevating, um, you know, uh, Jack Canfield, who I've had the privilege of meeting personally in his home. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah. We're, we're not like best friends. Um, he, he did it. I have a friend that was uh, doing a, a coaching program and she could bring a guest and I came to that oh, program. 
So it was, it was awesome, but he, he's written so many great books. And one of them is called The Success Principles, which I read cover to cover, devoured it. Um, the book is, a, is about just conditioning your mind for success, for creating the habits that release success into your life. And um, one, of the, one of the biggest ones is taking responsibility. Yes. You, you ever hear that expression that the buck stops here? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, so, so anyone that's looking at this and they, they want to improve their game in real estate, I say focus on uh, staying positive and beginning your day with an attitude of gratitude and thinking about, you know, what are ways you can add more value to the people in your life? Because value equals income. Why should an agent say, why should a seller give you their 6% versus the other person down the street? Why should they? That's a, that's a valid question. So I think we need to consider what are ways we can improve our value and also work on our character. Because if, again, if the relationship is good, then the money's going to come. Yeah, no, that's so true. And that's, that's such a great outlook. And I've also heard, you know, the saying where when you align your business purpose with your spiritual purpose, then mm. everything just, you know, comes towards you. Because like you said, if you are giving value and if you, you know, are, are, focusing on the relationship and really focusing on the client and nurturing that, then the money will come, you know, just by virtue of you putting your best foot forward and, you know, putting, you know, all the goodness, you know, out there into the universe without expectations. Um, so I definitely agree, I agree with that mindset. That's right. So let's talk about, you know, working solo. I know there's a lot of agents out there that some truly believe that working with the team is the way to go. They like the support of the team. Other agents like to be independent. They like to be solo. They like to do it all themselves or very hands-on. What has your experience been? Have you ever been on a team? Um, I believe you're solo now, but tell me a little bit about that and, and how that, you know, helps your, your uh, work ethic. I, I, forgive me for correcting you, but I actually have a team right now. It's called the Chatter Team, and I have two wonderful agents who I'm so happy that they work with me, okay. and I hope they see this and they smile. Um, but okay. uh, there are pros and there's cons to both, and I have done both. Okay. Uh, when I first got in the business, I joined a team, and um, it was wonder wonderful to have the experienced oversight of legends, true legends, who to this day I'm still in touch with. Um, and then when it was time for me to spread my wings and fly, I flew. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, some, some people are not able to function independently. They have other interests. Real estate is not necessarily their full-time career. And they really benefit from the support of, uh, not to make me sound old, but I am like a, a veteran like myself, you know, who's been doing um, You know, there's pros and there's cons. You know, I, I think that you have to weigh those pros and decide for yourself, you know, what makes sense for you. Um, I would say to anyone that's new or new-ish, you know, if you're under five years in the business, you're new. <laughs> no, but seriously, anyone that's new in the business, think about it. If you get started by yourself, then you're competing against me. Okay. Just put it out there. <laughs> you know? okay. You're competing against me. You're competing against the Ryan Serhats, the Carrie Changs, the Kathy Franklins, people I respect, so much respect. I'm just saying, you know, they're, they're, you're, you're crazy. Like, you know, if you have someone like myself, or I'm not to put myself on the same level as those incredible, you know, rock stars I just mentioned. But the point is, if you have someone who's more experienced, who's willing to take you under their wing, go for it. Because I think you'll you'll do more business faster and you'll learn more and you'll, and you'll ultimately make more money from setting yourself up through, through that uh, umbrella. I think you have a lot more credibility working with someone who's in the business longer 
than you would starting off by yourself and then competing against all the other old dogs in the business. Yeah, look, that support system is huge, you know, because again, you can't do it all. Um, and especially as a real estate agent, you have so much responsibility. There's so many moving parts. There's so many people involved in the transaction, um, especially in New York, which is just constantly moving, you know, in a New right. York millisecond. So and you really have to stay on top of the ball. Um, also, I want to say something else um, real quick, just the, you know, another Back to the whole thing about don't worry about the money. If the, if the relationship is good, the money comes. That goes to team dynamics. You know uh, that go, people want people will want to work for you when they when they believe that you believe in them and they're inspired by you. And you know where you all have a, a vision and you're working together for a common goal. Like you know the things things get moving when you're focused on the vision and not on the the politics. And and, and with that. Um, Again, I keep having these great ideas I want to communicate and I forget. See, this happens when you get old, Tally. Don't yeah. ever get old. <laughs> yeah. We're going to stay forever young, Michael. <laughs> We're going to stay forever young. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, so um, having a team and not having a team has its pros and its cons. So your day-to-day time oh, management. So I had it. Sorry, okay. the, the point. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Was, um, one person can only do so much. So I will say that transactionally, it's a smart business that as you grow to enlist the help of others. Focus on getting a small piece of a lot of deals okay. instead of a bigger piece of a few deals. Okay. That's so true. I love that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, thanks. Thanks for, um, you know, sharing. Sure. Um, so let's talk about your day to day. Okay. Do you have a, you know, certain um, methodology that you follow? Give it, walk us through a typical day, you know, in, in your life. Um, how you manage phone calls, how you manage follow-ups, you know, um, you know, what type of outreach, you know, do you do? Do you do cold calling? Like, just give us a typical day on um, and how you manage your workflow. Because again, you with real estate, it's nonstop, but we have to make sure that we take time out for ourselves, right? And you have that that perfect balance. So how do you um, create that for yourself? I love how you just expect that I have balance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I love that assumption. Um, I would say that uh, I, at this present moment, it's more reactive than proactive, and okay. I'm working on changing that. Um, from the experts that I've studied, it's important to have good uh, systems in place, uh, that you have uh, appointed times when you check your email and when you don't check your email and when you make your phone calls and prospect and have good uh, CRM, you know, customer relationship management mm-hmm. software, having a day. I have none of those things right now. No, <laughs> and it's but Corcoran provides such a great platform for you, I thought. Um, Corcoran does a lot, but you have to plug into it. And because okay. I, I have, have so much business coming into me in all different directions, I currently have three sales in contract and I have one sale that's my listing. And I also have a number of revolving door of rental exclusives that I'm listing at any given time. So um, I, I think I did four rentals personally and just myself personally in the past week. Okay, so wow. um, I'm a little bit like, ah! Yeah. So uh, I am working on that. Um, but again, I think uh, one of the things that I could do better is absolutely have um, a database and uh, be more proactive with my prospecting. Um, one, one of the things that I've done that's worked uh, in terms of prospecting is simply continuing to ask for reviews and okay. continue to do a good job because if people are happy, then they send other people your way. Yeah. Very true. That's that. Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, so, Michael, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and then uh, we will be right back with part two of the show uh, in just a few moments. Great. Whether you are a new buyer or a seasoned investor in the real estate market, you need top legal representation and expertise to ensure your transactions close smoothly and successfully. As someone whose priorities are communication, attention to detail, efficiency, and creative negotiation, TAB Law Firm provides hands-on, personalized service that focuses on clients' needs and peace of mind. After working with big corporate law firms, I realized their focus was on volume rather than nurturing and protecting their clients. I then decided to start my own firm 15 years ago to provide exceptional, personalized service that protects and informs my clients every step of the way. Most of my clients are looking for guidance, transparency, and clear communication throughout their real estate transaction. Making myself available to my clients is one of my top priorities, and my expertise allows me to foresee issues before they happen and avoid potential downfalls. This proactive approach safeguards my clients from incurring any additional expenses, delays, or stress. During the selling or buying process, efficiency is key. I keep all parties informed and organized, ensuring we close smoothly. I fancy myself as a deal maker, not a deal breaker. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate, or if you are a real estate broker looking for an attorney who's going to be communicative, efficient, and responsive to you and your clients, then contact me at tolly360.com. And let's start working together. Close with tab and feel fab. Okay, thank you so much, Michael. Welcome back. Close with tab and feel and feel glad. No, feel fab. Feel fab. Fabulous. How about close with Chad and feel glad? Oh, there you go. See, are you taking over my moniker there? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Love it. I love it. It's all good. That was actually my uh, BNI. You know, you have to come up with your little slogan and BNI. That was my slogan, and it just stuck because you know, close with tab and feel fab. Thank you. Well, this is so cool. It's so good to see you. And it feels weird. I feel like I want to reach across this computer and hug you, but I can't. I know. I'll see you in a few cool. hours. Well, that's true. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Our yacht party for a booze cruise. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Our, our booze cruise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I want to circle back a little bit and talk more about your exclusive listings, representing your sellers. Okay. Sure. So um, because as we know, there's always a certain way to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck as far as your seller's return on investment, right? So right. you always want to ensure that you are marketing the listing, showing it, you know, at its best value. So my questions to you are, um, one, how do you get the seller to say yes to the offer? And two, what what do you do to really highlight the property so that you do get the best offer for that property? Okay, so first question is when you're negotiating uh, an offer to purchase oh, a property, yes. how do you get the seller to say yes, right? Correct. Okay, so first of all, when, when you're a seller, you want the highest price. Right. When you're a buyer, you want the lowest price. Right. There's a disconnect, yes. right? So how do you, how do you make this like even? Okay. First of all, you have to understand the market. You know, you have to, you have to present an offer that shows intelligence just because you can buy cash doesn't necessarily mean that seller can drop the price 30%. 
<laughs> you know, you have to also understand that a lot of most sellers are pretty well capitalized. They have money. You think you, think you can spend 10 million bucks? That's great. You're buying a $10 million apartment. They probably have $20 million. You don't know how much money they got. So who gives you the right to think you can just show them a bank statement with God knows how much money and they're, they're just going to like, you know, bend I mean, over. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so you have to understand that a seller has to believe you're the best they're going to get under current market conditions. So a competent buyer's agent will take you through the comps, what's happened, what's traded recently in the building. And uh, well, you know, one of my key advantages as a buyer's representative, as any representative actually, is that I'm really the same person, whether I'm being interviewed on this podcast, whether I'm having coffee with you, whether I'm at the club, or whether I'm like in the boardroom, like I, I, don't, I don't change. And I have a really great way of working across the aisle. I would say that 14 years in the business, I have a working rapport with many of the top brokers in the business. In the business. So what that means is that, you know, if I'm talking to another agent, chances are they've met me before. We have a decent rapport and we can, we can get a deal, you know, and, and uh, you got you to kind of sniff out as much as you can because a, a good seller's agent won't disclose too much information. But sometimes, you know, I, I get it out of them because, you know, they can't resist the chat. I'm just kidding. But like <laughs> the, the, the point is, like they say that charming is disarming. That's, that's something else I learned from acting. Charming okay. is disarming. Um, that, that is part of um, in business. You know, this isn't about deception. This is about how people put the guard down. So some sellers are just unreasonable, you know? So that was my air conditioner. I don't know what that noise was. <laughs> so some, some sellers are, are just unreasonable and you know, there's nothing you can do. Um, but when you see a property has been in the market a long time, uh, you find out that the sellers moved or they're getting divorced or there's some, something that's caused a situation where they're, they're motivated, then you, you, you send them an offer that's very detailed that shows that you have the capacity to buy the home and also pass the board. If there's, if there's a co-op board or a condo board yeah. and, and then make sure that your agent is very clear that this is an opening bid and I'm, and not to be offended. This is just a buyer who's you know trying to get the best deal for themselves here. The, here's the numbers. This is the reason why they believe this is a fair offer and then have a discussion. And then hopefully you'll, 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 you'll go in low and you'll come to a, a meeting of the minds. And as long as you do it quickly before another buyer comes in, yeah. then you'll get the seller to say yes. Um, the other issue, the other thing is um, if there's a bidding war, you know, then it's really all, all about the measurements. It's all about the money that, you know, some that seller wants the highest number they can get. And again, do your assessment of the market and do your best. Well, let me ask you this. Speaking of that, what if and you I, want- I win wars? You win wars, you win bidding wars. Okay. Well, let me ask you. So if you have multiple offers on a property, um, but let's say one offer is cash. Um, another offer is with financing, but higher than the cash. Okay. Then how do you determine, and maybe you have a third offer that is, you know, comparable, you know, to the um, cash, but they're willing to waive the mortgage contingency. Okay. But, but maybe also a little higher than the cash. So how do you really weigh what, you know, the um, best offer for your client when you can either have a slam dunk with a cash offer or go with financing, but a little bit higher price? How do you really um, gauge? So, I'm the seller's representative in this exercise and I have multiple bids. Yeah. Okay. So if this is a co-op, then of course what's very important is to consider who has the most likelihood to pass the board. 
So you look at the financials, you look at their post-closing liquidity, which is the, the amount of money they have saved in liquid assets, liquid being savings, stocks, not necessarily retirement unless they're of retirement age, because you know a co-op board doesn't really care about your 401k unless you're over like over 70. Yeah. So um, you know the uh, how likely is this, is this buyer to pass the board? Um, cash is king, is what they typically usually say. Um, but if someone has the you know, rock solid income and rock solid, you know, post closing liquidity, and they are so confident they're going to get a mortgage, they say, oh, I don't give up, you know, about this deposit. Keep my deposit. I'm going to get a mortgage. They waive their contingency. Then it becomes about who's who's offering the highest price. Okay. Yeah. Then it's, then, it's, then it's up to the seller to decide. I can give my my professional opinion, but it's the you know it's the seller's uh, role to decide which offer they want to go with. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So now let's talk about how, you know, positioning, marketing, showing that property, what type of recommendations or suggestions, or are there any techniques or strategies that you use, you know, uh, to ensure that you are highlighting the, the property in, in its best light? Sure. Well, you know, it really depends on a number of things. Um, how long has the equity do they have? Because if they're in a bind, and they just don't have the profit margin available to pay for staging, then that's not an option. I mean, they're already taking a hit. Um, but statistics show that homes that are staged will sell faster and for more money. So one of the unique programs that Corcoran has is something called Real Vitalize, where Corcoran will front the cost of staging and some light touching up, and then we just settle up at the closing. Uh, because we know that statistically speaking, that home is going to sell faster and for more money. Um, the other alternative is virtual staging, which is substantially cheaper. Um, I typically pay for that myself. Um, but the problem with virtual staging is often you get all excited about this image, then you walk into the home and you're like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Stage, staging provides context. So uh, I would always recommend, if possible, you know, if you've owned the home long enough, you have some equity to play with, pay for the staging. You know, make, make that apartment look like a showroom. And then the second it hits the market, you're going to price slightly below. Here's the other issue, the a big problem that a lot of sellers, a big mistake a lot of sellers make is yeah. they get so hung up on the listing price. And what you don't, they don't understand is that that price is simply a, a marketing tool. It's a tool. The whole purpose of a, of a price is like a hook to reel buyers in. Yeah. You want to get as many buyers in the door as quickly as possible. And then if you do that successfully, the, the market pushes the price back up. I'll use a perfect, perfect example recently with a rental exclusive that I had. I had a rental, uh, rentals and sales, exact same process. You know, you it just it literally is the difference between tapping the word sale versus rental when I keyed in, the, in my database. I ordered photography, get floor plans, I blasted at the brokerage community, whatever. I put it on Street Easy, like it's the exact same process. So um, I had a, a rental that was a townhouse that we asked the owner said, listen, I'll, I'll take, uh, what did he say? I think he said he'd be happy with 22. And we had 50 people come to my first open house. 2200 or $22,000? $2,200 a month. Okay, gotcha. And then and then we rented it for 26. Oh, okay. Wow, fantastic. So people started offering above ask just because they wanted to win the, 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 the apartment, the rental. Got it. Okay, so you priced it to sell to attract more clients or more offers. And then it ended up bumping up the price anyway. Right. So that's that's what you want to do with the sale. Um, if you look at the, the, the market, typically what happens is properties are sitting 
for a, a, for a certain period of time and they're typically selling for less than what their asking prices are. So if you want to get your asking price and strategies, you want to get it looking like a showroom, you price it five to 10%, even 10% below what you think the current market is, which sounds painful, but then you get enough people to come in to that first open house, bam, it pushes yeah. that price back up and you get more than what you wanted. Okay, fantastic. Great strategy. I like that marketing tool. That's wonderful. I'm full of strategies, Tally. Yeah. Hey, you've got, you know, multiple uh, uh, tricks up your sleeve. I got I got tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. I love it. So um, tell us a little about, you know, being that you have, you know, been in the luxury real estate market as well. What do you think it takes to navigate, you know, those higher end clients um, you know, I'm sure you've worked with a lot of investors, um, you know, people that are buying from out of state, things like that. What do you think it takes to navigate the luxury real estate market? So luxury are two words, patience and discretion. Okay. Patience, meaning a luxury buyer or seller is on their timeline, not yours. Okay. So it could take a year. It could take two years. I once had someone who was referred to me by someone who didn't rent for me five years prior. Wow. And then when the timing was right, this person was in the market and uh, then they, they, rent, they rented a, you know, a double digit apartment for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're, they're one, of the, one of the biggest developers in the city. So that's a, that's a relationship that I want to keep. So, um, you know, I've, I've had buyers that were in, you know, very high price points. Again, it's their timing, not yours. Secondly, is discretion. You know, if you're working with the seller, often they want to be in the press because they want it. They want whatever it takes to get eyeballs in that listing. But for a buyer, you uh, you know. <laughs> okay, so so privacy, confidentiality, all of yeah. those things. Don't, don't, don't you going to parties and bragging about how you just you know were showing property to Denzel. Or, yeah. or to, uh, you know, to Madonna, uh-uh, you know, yeah. they, the, the, that level, they want uh, discretion. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And they, and I'm sure they respect you more for it, you know, because right. you're not utilizing their name to, for your own benefit and to, you know, to come up in, in your own career, but you're actually respecting their privacy. So. Right. But it also depends on the person. Some people want press. So, you know, I've been on several reality shows. I have a lot of contacts with press and a couple mm -hmm. of times I've had high profile clients. So like, sure, you can talk to the press. So it, it just depends on the client. Sure. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So Michael, tell us where you're headed. Okay. What are your career goals? What's your, you know, five-year plan? What really do you see for yourself? Um, uh, share us, share with us a little bit about that. Well, Tom Cruise actually follows me on Twitter. Yeah. So he does. That's a great story. So I can share another time. But I'm okay. hoping that like I will, I will be selling real estate until I get my first Oscar. So someday I'll be at the Oscars and I'll be like, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce my resignation from real estate. Psych! I got this great twenty million dollar listing on Fifth Ave. You know, so you know, so hopefully I see myself continuing to add value to being a fun, uh, luxury top agent, and to, that has the freedom to live the life they want to live, and to be able to continue to you know to pursue art and music and be able to act and do some really great things, and hopefully that my my business will be something that I can continue to have leverage and I can I can engage my team and be able to still do some really fun stuff. You know, I love film and TV. So I, I see myself headed more towards more high-end luxury real estate, but also more film and TV work. 
Okay. I love it. That's your true passion. It sounds like the real estate's your passion, but it's the money maker. And, you know, acting is, you know, and Hollywood is truly your passion and it's, a, it's an art form. So it's yes. great that, yeah, you can, you know, maneuver both and really succeed. Um, in both Dr. Forms. Dennis Waitley once said that chase your passion, not your pension. Okay. That's yes. Very good. You and your expressions and all your sayings. I love it. <laughs> We're going to have to we have to quote a lot of sources in this show. Right, 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 right. absolutely, totally. Um, so last question for you, Michael. Um, if uh, you were to write your own autobiography, what would the title be? Oh man, that's a hard question. Um, well, one idea I had was The Last Crab Cake. Okay, uh, do tell. About how, about how real estate helped me escape uh, the world of food service. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. I'll give, give you an example. So um, my first reality show was called Sweet Home Alabama on CMT. I was actually one of the top 10 bachelors on that show. It was a dating reality show that took place in Alabama. Uh, you had teams of uh, bachelors competing against each other from, from big cities and small towns for a beautiful blonde Southern Belle. And uh, when I uh, it filmed in Alabama and then back in New York City, and the day that I was eliminated from that show, um, I was being you know carted around in black suburban limousines. And they don't, they don't pay you like for these brand new shows. So I was away from work for two weeks and this was back in 2011. So I only been in real estate for a couple of years at that point. And I was, you know, struggling. So two days after I was filming this reality show, you know, in limousines, I'm back at a, you know, bar mitzvah passing hors d'oeuvres. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fairy tale over, right? Yes. So it was only like yeah. So then it was only about a year later when things just started to click and I realized that I, I could do this full time and I was able to quit food service and I never looked back. So I thought, I thought about writing just a fun, fun book about, you know, my experience meeting so many celebrities and, you know, all these insane parties. I worked at parties in Greenwich, Connecticut and the Hamptons, all over New York City. You know, I could list a ton of celebrities that I met and uh, when I was in food, serve, in food service, but it's much more fun now uh, being served uh, yes. than Serving others. And, and collecting those fat checks for sure. Yes, yes. I cheers, cheers to fat checks. <laughs> yes. More fat checks with you. I've loved working with you, Tali. Thank you. Thanks so much, Michael. I love working with you too. Yeah. Um, so you know, just wanted to uh thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, I just had another one. Okay. Contractually single. Tales of a reality bachelor. Oh, there you go. Contractually single. All right. Well, hopefully not for long, Mike, you know. Hopefully not for long. That's right. That's right. We're <laughs> going to find your bride. <laughs> oh, amazing. Let uh, so let, I want you to share with everyone for uh, those watching what the best way to connect you with, uh, connect with you, um, you know, your social media, your email, what's the best way for our listeners to connect? Sure. Uh, I'd say please go to my Instagram and, uh, and connect, with me, connect with me there. Instagram.com slash Michael B. Chadwick. Okay. That's your handle, Michael B. Chadwick? Michael B. Chadwick. That's right. Okay. Just straight as it is. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. So great having you on Real Estate Powerhouse. Um, appreciate you as always. And um, can't wait to see you soon. See you in a couple hours. All right. See you then. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. Thank you. You've been tuning into Real Estate Powerhouse live on Tab Talks with your host attorney, Talia Bashani. For more information, please visit Tali360.com.
You can watch this show streaming live on StreamYard and available across all social media outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook Live, and more. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, and questions, and please share this show with your network. 